You know, we've already spoken about the fires, the bushfires, and uh, I've really struggled with the message that I had for today, but I just really believed it was for today. And I got the beginnings of this message maybe a month or even six weeks ago and, uh, and had prepared this message. And then I've been in a quandary because today I want to talk about fire. And I, but I don't want that to be in any way disrespectful with what's happening in our nation. However, even in the songs we've been singing, fire is a theme uh, of God. The book of Hebrews actually says our God is a consuming fire. Uh, we can't escape that. I just want to preface what I'm about to say by saying our God is a very different kind of fire. The only things that get consumed in the presence of God and his fire are the things that are actually detrimental to us. So far removed from destructive fire, it's actually an invigorating, life-giving, pruning kind of fire that doesn't destroy what is alive. And we see that with Moses and the burning bush. It wasn't the fact that there was a burning bush in the middle of the desert that attracted him and brought him to the presence of God. It was the fact that he saw that even though it was on fire, it was not consumed. And there's lots of things that we can get passionate about and we can get fired up about that actually, if they're not in step with our creator, they do nothing but consume us. They might start with excitement, start with enthusiasm, start with good intentions, but end in ruin. And yet we you allow the fire of God to come upon your life and get in your bones. He only ever leads you to a higher place and he only ever consumes that which is holding you back. So I'm afraid I can't apologise for preaching on fire today. When I first met Jesus, I guess uh, it was really a saying. I think it isn't used as much now, but I was on fire for God. And I know immediately by the nods and winks and uh, knowing looks, you know, I've even seen a few of our, you know, maybe younger Christians, the instant recognition of what it is to have a fire in your heart, to burn with a passion for Jesus. I mean, meeting Jesus is amazing. The love, the joy, the peace, the hope. That begins to birth in your heart. I mean, if you're someone who lived a bit of life before you met Jesus, you will know the stark contrast. And then comes enthusiasm and passion. And we call that, I guess, you know, being on fire. But, and I hope for every one of us, I hope every one of us have experienced that have had a season in our life with Jesus, even just with life itself. We've, we've got, there's a, an old, old term called a purple patch. Who's heard of having a purple patch where everything in life, every circumstance just seems to line up and work? Who's ever, ever had one of them? Gee, come on, I reckon everyone's had one. You've got to admit, it's a great place to be. I, I hope you've experienced that. And I hope you've experienced it with Jesus. But the fact is, life happens too. No matter how passionate you are, no matter how, how hopeful you are, life has a habit of showing up and spoiling even the best season. Have you noticed that? And, and in recognising that, we just recognise what it is to be fully human. That is the human experience and God's people are not immune to those ups and downs. You know, I used to have a, a wood fire 
one of our, our second house we built, Crow's Nest. We had a wood fire. I haven't had one for years. I miss it. I love wood fires. There's just nothing quite like the warmth they bring to the house. They, they dry the air out. They, the ambience, the light that they throw when you turn all the lights off. There's nothing quite like having a fire burning. That's in control. That's within its proper boundaries. But, gee, they create a lot of dirt. They create a lot of ash. And I reckon fireplace dust, fireplace ash, when you clean the fire, because you've got to, you've got to, if you want that fire to burn bright, you've got to clean the ash. And that dust is maybe the worst domestic dust you can have. I see some more knowing looks. Anyone's still got a wood fire. And it's like that dreaded time of the week where you've got to clean the ash out. And you know that, you know, the whole house is going to get a layer of dust, that whole room. Well, I want to talk to us because I, th- I think our lives are a lot like that. When you get passionate, you get on fire, whether that's in business, whether that's totally focused on Jesus and serving him in that capacity, whether that's your passion for what God's put in your heart, for business, for education, for medicine, for whatever it is, you passionately go after that. You, you often are burning stuff as you go and it creates ash. Life itself creates ash. So I want to talk to us today about dealing with our dust. Dealing with our dust, because if you've lived it all, you have it. And sometimes it's getting in the way of you experiencing the fire that you once had, that maybe you wish, you, uh, you dream about. Wouldn't it be great to feel that way again? Wouldn't it be great to be living on that level once again? Leviticus chapter 6 verse 10 And then verse 13, it's instructions to the Levitical priesthood on how to keep the altar of the Lord in, first of all, the tabernacle in the wilderness and then the temple. The priest shall then put on his linen clothes with linen undergarments next to his body and shall remove the ashes of the burnt offering that the fire has consumed on the altar and place them beside the altar. Verse 13 says, The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. First thing I want to take note, just while that scripture's on the screen, a little bit of an aside, but they were to wear linen. The priestly garments were linen. Linen undergarments was to absorb the sweat because there was to be no hint of the work of man in the presence of God. And often ash comes into our life. The the dust that threatens to smother the fire is through our own self-efforts, our own sweat in trying to make things happen for ourselves rather than maybe going back to what Pastor Sue encouraged us with, with absolute dependence on God and allowing him to open doors and allowing him to show us a way forward. Sometimes we forge ahead at our own peril and it's our own sweat that can create the problem. Not saying don't work hard. What I'm saying is make sure the opportunities you take are the opportunities God is presenting to you. So we have here this sort of ordinance for the priesthood and they were to take the ashes out so that the fire could burn correctly, properly and get air because if you keep burning stuff, burning stuff, burning stuff, you end up with so many ashes that it it begins to actually smother the fire. 
Once all the good stuff's burnt out of the fuel, it then becomes detrimental to the fire. And so, of course, these guys were, were told to clean it. They had, had to have a morning and an evening sacrifice and sacrifices all through the day. But after the evening sacrifice was the opportunity. And they kept the same fire going that fell in the tabernacle of the wilderness. This is rabbinical tradition. Even when they built the temple, the same fire had never gone out. So they'd scrape the coals to the side. They'd take the dust out. It was not to be thrown in a dump because it had been used for sacrifice. It was holy. It was to be put in a clean place, a special place. Even the ashes were regarded as holy. And they were to keep this burning continuously. It was an eternal thing. You can see fire in the ministry of Jesus as well. Like John the Baptist said, the one coming after me, I'm not worthy to untie his shoe. I baptise you with water. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It was a mark of Jesus' ministry, what he would do in the hearts of man. Jesus himself said, you are the light of the world. This is pre-electricity, people. You being the light of the world means one thing. For the original hearers, they only saw one thing. They saw a lamp. They saw a flame when that was said to them. So we see it in the ministry of Jesus again and again and again. In Acts on the Emmaus Road, two disciples that walk with Jesus post-resurrection and their comment was, did not our hearts burn within us? While he spoke with us on the road, there's something about being in God's presence. There's something about meeting Jesus that actually causes your heart to burn. It starts something off on the inside of you. And the only thing that really threatens that is maybe the ashes of past fires. Some of them, God's effort, doesn't leave ashes. I'm, I'm convinced of that. Moses and the burning bush. So then it must be stuff that we burn on the altar of our heart. That actually leaves ashes that threaten to smother that flame and that fire within us. And I think the first Sunday of a new decade is a great day to think about taking out the ashes cleaning out our hearts, giving God some fresh room to burn in us. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Scripture talks very much about our heart being the altar. When Jesus comes into our lives, he lives, we, we put it this way, in our heart. It's the only way we can describe it. In the seed of our emotions and our thinking, we know that God's presence is right at the core and right at the centre of our being. And the Bible therefore says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The Hebrew word for issues is geographic. It means geographical boundaries. In other words, the size of your life is determined by what you allow to happen within your heart. So often people say, oh, well, if that was different, if this person was different, 
If the external circumstances, if my spouse was different, my life would be different. Scripture would say, change your own heart first. That's where the issues of life come. So what are some of the ashes? And I just thought up a few things that, that potentially snuff out the fire in us. Are you ready for it? You okay? You're interested. You're interested in cleaning the fireplace and burning afresh. Man, I can't talk about the Holy Spirit and fire without just starting to feel it all over again. So what do we need to clean out? Well, I honestly think the fire in our hearts can be buried under sin. Buried under sin. The Greek word harmatia. And it simply means missing the mark. I think we have a major problem with sin. For a start, our society doesn't want to talk about that. It's an outdated concept. It's like, and it sounds like such a, a harsh word. But there's a reason we make words what they are. They need to sound harsh. They need to sound awful. If someone has a diabolical crime, someone, someone has a one-shot punch and it kills someone, you're not going to say to the parents of that young man, that was an unfortunate incident, wasn't it? You're not going to say that, are you? You're going to say that was an assault. Words have power. They need to have power. But the problem with sin for us is that often we just focus on moral failure. We just focus on what's going on in our own heart. And if we do that, we think it's all about us. And that's sin too. So we just compound sin by always making about what's, what's going on in here and what, what am I doing? And be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. And of course, that's important, but it's not the main thing. We were created in the image of God to be his image bearers to all of creation. That's the vocation of man. That's why Jesus died. Not so that we'd be forgiven and just go back to heaven. That's selfish. But so that we could be restored to Adam's original vocation as co-regents, ruling and reigning with Christ and seeing his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I think the devil loves it when we focus on our own holiness. I think, again, it's important to be pleasing to God and allow his presence in your life. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. But man, when we focus on that, unwittingly it becomes about us and we forget about the rest of creation, the rest of the planet. And our vocation as God's people is reflecting the Creator's goodness from everything to the environment, yes, and animals, yes, and people. His original intention for creation. But that can, that can, if you just focus on the little stuff that's going on on the inside, you begin to live in a very, very small world. Just, just as a matter of interest, has any, anyone here worked it out how not to sin yet? I mean, you know, you've been studying it a lot, haven't you? You've been thinking about it a lot. How do I deal with this? How do I stop this? How do I start that? I mean... You've been thinking about it a lot. Just tell me, has anyone here worked out 
how to stop it? You think it might be here with us for a while longer? So do you think maybe God would give us permission to get over ourselves and get back to our original vocation of being image bearers of the creator, reflecting his glory to all of creation and not just caught up with their own trivial pursuits. I think it could be time to take the dust out. Time to take the ashes, take them out, stoke that fire once again. And I guess a fire of calling, a fire of God-ordained destiny. Light your lamp and place it where it gives light to any that are walking in your sphere of influence. I, I'm really excited about that. Is anyone here awake? Should we just go home and come back next week? I mean, we could do that or we could just have coffee. Come on, encourage me. Okay, now try it as I make the point. (laughs) Hey, just by the way, before I get to the next one, uh, the come together thing, the theme for next year, I'm so excited about, but I'm not going to release that officially for a couple of weeks because I want everyone to come back off holidays. Is that okay? Because I'd like us all, well, you know, I'd like as many of us to hear it as I could and our theme for the year, which, uh, who likes the funky 70s graphics? Hey, cool. Who likes the Beatles? That was my choice. I decided to stop wrestling with inner sin and listen to the Beatles again. (laughs) I tell you how else a fire can get buried. It's buried under pain. It gets buried under pain. It gets buried under our focus on our own problems and our own issues internally. And one of those is buried under pain. Offence, hurt. And if you allow offence to take hold, it is all you will see in everything. And the whole design of it is to turn your life from this to that. Proverbs 18 verse 19 says, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city and contentions are like the bars of a castle. Listen to that proverb. Those internal contentions, being at odds with your brothers and sisters and the world in general, are like the bars of a castle. So I want to encourage you, look, 2020, starting not just a new year, starting a new decade. Don't let anguish, don't let bitter feelings trap you and rob you. If someone or something has offended you, determined, don't let it take another moment of your life, of your God-ordained opportunity when you walk this planet for so many short years. It'll be over in a breath. Don't waste it on bitterness. Stop rehearsing the pain. Stop rehearsing the betrayal. Stop rehearsing abuse. There are no answers there. Again, I could say, if you were sitting here going, but you don't know what's happened to me. No, I don't. But I would ask you this. Have you ever found an answer meditating on it? 
There isn't. There isn't. There's only more pain. There's only more brokenness. And Hebrews says that a bitter root springs up and defiles many. And you might think, oh, I can just hold this. No. No, you're not holding it in. Everyone around you is already affected by it. Everyone else is already feeling your pain, even if you've never spoken about it. So can I encourage you, 2020, what an opportunity. What an opportunity just to go, you know what? That might have been the mark of that decade, but it will not be the mark of the next. Take out the ashes, determine to forgive, and that fire will come back, friend. Another thought is it can get buried under disappointment. Even disappointment with God, which I think is actually maybe the root of all our disappointment. How could that happen to me? How could God let that happen to me? And I'm sure that we've all at some point, if you've ever been on fire for Jesus, you've taken faith steps that didn't work out. You've stepped out in faith, fallen flat on your face. (laughs) Thought, God, where were you? That would have been a great time to intervene, God. Who's ever thought of that? That would have been a great time for you to show up, Lord. You know, I think um, when I think of that, think of Peter. Peter walking on water. Now, I think Peter's a champion because he walked on water. I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat sitter any day, wouldn't you? So he got out of the boat and he did something. But I guess what really speaks to me about Peter is Peter's at arm's length to Jesus. And I mean physically, literally, arm's length from Jesus. And he still got disappointed. (laughs) Makes me feel not so bad (laughs) about some of my disappointments. What is it, Lord? Is it sin? Sin in me, what is it? Why can't you bless me? So Peter stepped out in faith and believing and and still had a catastrophe, depending on how you read the story. I still think a couple of steps is better than none. But it didn't particularly end well. And a disappointment can lodge in your heart and it's just like ashes that chokes any potential flame. It just clutters the the wood box of your heart. So Proverbs 13 verse 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And we know that. That's disappointment. Often we're only disappointed when we appoint ourselves to something that God hasn't appointed us to. That's why we call it disappointment. So never appoint yourself to something that God hasn't given you or you're sure to be upset with someone. The second part of the proverb is brilliant. It says, but when desire comes, it is a tree of life. Often we don't even read the second half. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Yeah, we all know that. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You know what that tells me? No matter how disappointed you've gotten, no matter what 2019 looked like, don't stop dreaming. 
The greatest temptation is to shut down your dream, to shut down the fact that change is possible, to shut down the fact that something good could happen. And often we do that because we want to shield ourselves from potential disappointment. So it's like, my expectations are so low, I'm never disappointed. But that's actually not the antidote, not what Scripture shows. Yes, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope that doesn't come off. That dream, that plan that didn't work, that can make the heart sick. But if you can get another longing and dream it up again, at some point it's going to be fulfilled. And it's a tree of life. To even see some of your hopes come to pass is a tree of life. It's interesting, you know, I guess as as human beings, I don't know whether you've ever seen a big jigsaw puzzle Who's ever put a big jigsaw puzzle together, maybe in the holidays, dragged it out of the cupboard, whatever, and you realise the kids have lost two pieces? You know, you get down to the last five and you think there should be seven. I hope it's not her eye. Well, it's going to be one ugly thousand-piece jigsaw. But if you've ever seen a jigsaw with that piece missing, it's interesting. You can look at that whole thing and even though... 999 pieces fit together perfectly. Even though all the rest of the picture is perfect, the only thing that you will focus on is the one block, the one piece that's missing. And I want to tell you today, disappointment does not have to be permanent. We have this propensity as human beings to look at the one thing that's missing. And when we do that, when we focus on that, we miss every other opportunity that rises in the meantime. Can I encourage you? Take out the disappointment. Scoop it up and drop it in a holy place. Drop, consecrate it to God. My sin, my brokenness, God, I'm scraping out the ashes and I'm thanking you that you've convicted me to do it and to clean my life up and I dedicate it to you. And the offence, and I scoop it up The way people have hurt me, I scoop it up and I'm going to live beyond it as a glorious testimony of the power of your spirit in me. I will not be trapped by it. I dedicate the ashes to you. Disappointment, no matter what's happened, I scoop it up and I will rise above it. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's out there in that world trying to pull people down. I'll scrape up my disappointments. I'll pour them out at the feet of Jesus. I'll worship him with it. I will not be contained or restrained by my feelings and my attitudes. But I will guard my heart with all diligence and I'll keep the fire burning. And you know the last thing which might be a surprise I think is success. Your fire can be buried by success just as easily as by failure. Resting on your laurels, maybe just harking back to the purple patch, the good old days, but you don't have a fresh testimony of walking with God and seeing him move in a glorious way. And you just become religious when you do that. It's just a religious thing, a religious observance. And no matter what sphere that's in, 
career or with, with your job, your, your ministry and service to God, your family. It can happen in any sphere where you just settle for what once was. And I'm reminded of Jesus in Mark chapter 1, verse 37, 38. Right at the beginning of Mark's gospel and the beginning of Jesus' ministry and miracles were happening and he was so popular, he was an in-demand preacher. And it says, when they'd found him, his disciples, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I've come forth. You know, no matter what your achievements, no matter what your purple patch look like, I look at Jesus and he's just an example of, I don't care how good yesterday was, I'm going to get on with tomorrow. If that's not a New Year's message, there isn't one in the Bible. He knew his calling, he knew his purpose, he knew God had more for him and even though he was a screaming success right where he's at and you'll look at it in the life and the ministry of Jesus and he did it again and again and again telling some of his greatest miracle recipients not to tell anyone because success was not going to trap him where he was. He was always going to stay hungry for the Father's mission. Where are you, no matter how well you've done in life, have you still got a hunger for that next level? Whether that's you in business, whether that's you in the medical field, whether that's you in education, whether that's you as a factory worker, a mum and a dad. You're still hungry. Don't be trapped. Don't let... Success, apparent success, the sense of achievement and purpose. Revel in it. Enjoy the mountaintop while you've got it, but don't camp there. It'll bury, it'll bury the fire. Never stop dreaming. Never stop believing. Never stop pushing toward what life should be. Some questions for us. A couple of simple ones. Can your light be seen? I guess what I'm saying is, is the fire burning bright? Is the fire burning bright as you enter 2020? And the next question, do you want it to? Do you want it to? Is that what you want? Because you've got to want it. Uh, I'm, I'm saying you can deal with the ashes, you can deal with your dust, but you've got to want to. What are you going to do with a neglected calling, a destiny that's buried under ashes of lethargy or disinterest or indifference, wherever you're at, what are you going to do with a neglected calling? And I guess this is the part and a question to it. Are you so focused on what's happening inside you that you can't seem to change? that you're neglecting what's going on around you, that you actually can change. Again, I think that's just a ploy, literally, of the devil to get us just inwardly focused on the smaller issues when Jesus is saying, lift up your eyes, the fields are white. How long will you hold on to the choking dust of hurt? of betrayal, of frustration, of fear, when forgiveness can set you free.
to live again. You know, it's, a, it, it's an offer. God just offers. Guard your heart with all diligence. Because the extent of your life will spring out of it. Are you happy to sit in the dust of past failure or disappointment? Are you content to sit in the residue of past success? Well, (laughs) I'm urging you to sweep it all aside. Sweep it all aside. Come on, sweep it all aside. Have I lost you? Come on, sweep it all aside. 2020, no matter what's been, you can't change one thing that's happened. You can't change it by worrying about it. You can't change it by replaying the tape in your head. The only thing you can do is change what's ahead, the way that you approach it. Make 2020 a year where you burn again, where you worship God from the deepest place in spite of the circumstance, where you keep your hope alive, where you continue to dream dreams. Because by doing that, you're honouring God as His image bearer, as one who rises above offence. Rise. Do you think God's ever been disappointed with the world? <laughs> Do you think God's ever been offended? He's got more reason to be offended than any of us. And he continues to rise above it. And his plan continues to unfold and he continues to pour his spirit out upon millions and millions. His plan is coming to pass. The kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. And we get the opportunity to lift our eyes and just determine to be part of that spirituality. Part of that mission. Not a little introverted Christian perfection one, which is just never going to happen. But lifting our eyes and being part of his scheme in the world. Come on, I encourage you, sweep some stuff aside. Might be the success, sweep it aside. Might be the disappointed, determined. Sweep it aside. No matter how desperately disappointed you've been, sweep it aside. Let the fire come back. No matter how hurt you've been, sweep it aside. It doesn't mean you accept it. It doesn't mean you're saying what happened was right. It just means I will not live the rest of my life bound by it. Sweep it aside. Let the fire come back. Come on, why don't we stand together? Oh, I'm excited about 2020. You know, our nation's facing some tough stuff and lots of people are, but you know what? Just, I've been following Jesus 34 years. And uh, he just keeps doing good things in the middle of it all. In the middle of everything that's always going on in the world. It always is, you know. There's always droughts. There's always fires. There's floods in Toowoomba on top of a mountain for crying out loud. But in the middle of it all, God is always touching people. Want to be part of that? So let's pray together. Hey, Why don't we bow our heads? I'll lead us in prayer. 
Thank you, Father. Father, we bring our lives to you as altars this morning. And uh, altars that have had various fires burning on them, your fire burning bright in our hearts at times and the fires of contention or disappointment or other things at times have also burnt there. And This morning, Father, we determine... Come on, if that's you, if you're determined to sweep the altar clean, light a fresh fire, 2020, just raise a hand to heaven. Just raise a hand to heaven. Father, we're determined just to sweep stuff away and breathe on the embers. Get that fire raging again in in our heart, that passion, passion and love and humility and hope and joy, forgiveness, life. We determine to stoke the fires again and enter into not just the new year, but this decade with hearts that are fresh and on fire for you. And Father, I thank you that as we worship you, as we yield to you, as we passionately pursue you through this year, Father, I thank you in advance for the doors that you open, doors of destiny for people doors for people to finally come home into that place that they know they were created for. I thank you, Father, for miracles, miracles of healing in Jesus' Name, physical healing in people's bodies in Jesus' Name, medical turnarounds in Jesus' Name, mental turnarounds, healing in people's minds, Father, and their emotions and the deepest of griefs to abuse and offence and every issue that the devil would try and destroy people with. Father, I thank You for leading us into a free place, leading us into a place of wholeness, no matter what our past has been. In Jesus' Name, as we worship You passionately, as we sweep aside the ashes of all that has gone before and we light a fresh fire in our hearts, Father, I thank You for meeting us meaning us in this place, meaning us in life groups, wherever two or three gather, meeting us in such tangible, amazing ways, pouring out Your power through us and releasing us to be image bearers to Your creation, to take on our original mantle, our original vocation of shining Your light to the world in love and hope and power. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. While our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Friend, you might be in this place and just recognise I'm at a point in my life where I need a fresh start. And, And maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. But you find yourself here today. I I don't know why or how or your circumstance, but you find yourself here today going, if I could restart the clock, I would. If I could start again, I would. Chris, when you talk about the ashes of past things, I, I can see piles in my life and I know they're hindering me. I know they're cluttering me. I know that my heart doesn't burn brightly like it once did. And friend, I want to give you the opportunity. Why don't you come to God? He invites you. He invites us all. You know, becoming a Christian is not about becoming religious or attending a church. Becoming a Christian is opening your heart to reconnect 
with the Creator who made you. Reaching out to Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. Receiving His forgiveness. Receiving a fresh start. No matter what life has been to now. And if you're here, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. And in a few moments, we're going to pray a prayer together, a prayer of opening our hearts to Jesus. But while every head's bowed and eye closed, friend, if you're here and you know, I need that fresh start. I need Jesus Christ in my life today. Would you just do one thing? Take a step of faith. Raise your hand in the air, just right where you are, because I want to know who I'm praying with. I won't embarrass you. God bless you, mate. That's awesome. God bless you, mate. That's awesome. God bless you down the front here. That's fantastic. God bless you. Over here, I see over there, mate. God bless you. You can put your hands down, you guys. Others, as I, as yep, God bless you. I see you over here on my left. That is fantastic. That is wonderful. Anyone else just want to join these precious folk? Come on. This is an opportunity to start 2020 brand new. Jesus in your heart. A passionate fire lit from heaven. A desire to to change the world through Jesus. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Let's pray this prayer together. If you've responded, please make it your own. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I'll follow you. Amen. 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 And look, if you responded this morning and you've prayed that prayer authentically, God wants to put His Holy Spirit in your heart. If you've opened your heart, His Holy Spirit's already begun to work. When I made a decision like that in church, I didn't know I was changed until a couple of days later. And it was like, man, things are really different. And it's not me doing it. So, you know, if you've opened your heart, Jesus wants to do something in your life and uh, all through 2020 and beyond. So Matthew's going to talk to you about how you can uh, follow up on that a bit. But why don't we just congratulate people that just open their heart to Jesus. God bless you. See you next week at either 8.30, 10.30 or 6 p.m.